Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views, the place for pets. And they're people who love them. Aw, he's so soft. Come here, come here, boy. Here is your host, practicing veterinarian, veterinary news network reporter, and host of the popular YouTube show, The Web DVM, Dr. Roger Welton. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views. I am Roger Welton, practicing veterinarian, coming to you live from the Florida Space Coast. Thank you very much for joining me, as always. Um, this evening, we have a little bit of a departure from what we normally do. I was inspired, and um, I'll get to that in just a moment. I just want to remind everybody first that we are a live call-in show. Haven't had a call in a while, but I'm just going to put it out there in case we get our first one tonight. Or, I'm sorry, our first one in a while. Our guest call-in number is toll-free. doesn't cost you anything. 877-878-1435. Repeat that, 877-878-1435. The other modality to contact us, of course, is through email. We do have one email question tonight that I'm going to address before we get into the meat of the show or the main topic this evening. That email is comments at web-dvm.net, comments at web-dvm.net. That's primarily how we've been corresponding with you folks for the most part. I have a shy audience. There's a lot of you out there, but uh, we tend to hear hear from you primarily by email. Also, our Facebook page. If you visit web-dvm.net, you can access our Facebook page from there. We also have a Twitter page that you can make Twitter comments as well, and that also is at web-dvm.net. Web-dvm.net is a veterinary information and advice website that I created quite a long time ago. And in the last few months, I've integrated my blog into it as well. So it is the home site for the blog, but there's lots of other stuff going on there as well, and I, I implore you to, when you have a moment, to check it out. So <clears throat> our first email question came from a lady named Alex, and I know I know Alex can go male or female, but she specifically put parentheses female after her name, Alex, and she is emailing from Savannah, Georgia. Now, I am very embarrassed to tell you that on my way upstairs, after I got a quick drink of water before I came to the studio to begin the broadcast, I actually left her question downstairs, so I do not have it in front of me. Good Lord, terrible. Um, but the here's the you know I read through this thoroughly and I've heard this time and again, and this is an important question because really we we got to clarify this because this is such an important problem and I've been hearing basically what she's emailing me about time and again and I'm getting tired of it. Not tired of the questions from the owners per se, but tired of the quote unquote opinions of these rescue groups who are doing good work on one hand, but giving terrible advice on the other. So Alex, for lack of a better ability right now, I I don't want to run out in the middle of the broadcast and go get your exact uh, text that you wrote. But here's the gist. Alex adopted a two-year-old lab mix puppy, not puppy, a young dog. And she told me he's very handsome She's already, she and her boyfriend are already absolutely in love with the dog. 
if they didn't know he was heartworm positive, they would think he was perfectly healthy. Physical examination-wise, he's got no heart murmurs. He's not sluggish. He's playful. He eats well. For all intents and purposes, he looks healthy, but he is positive for heartworms. And she's been on heart guard, which is a heartworm preventive, for the past six months. I guess she's had the dog in her possession for two months, and she's continued the heart guard. But um, the shelter told her that if she continues the heart guard, that in the next two to three years, if she's you know pretty religious and vigilant about giving it on a monthly basis and not being late, not missing a dose, that within two to three years, the heartworms will disappear because the heart guard kills the immature versions of the heartworm. doesn't kill the adults, kills the immature versions. And so it doesn't really allow, if you're giving it on a monthly basis, allow these adult worms to reproduce. So basically you're living out the life of the worms. You're, I guess, waiting them out in the process of um, allowing them to live, but they can't reproduce. They have a lifespan, and they're saying two to three years. And that's called the slow-kill approach. And they're partially accurate. I will definitely uh, give them some credit there. there. There is some truth to that, but I will clarify. It's not two to three years. It's actually three to five years. But <clears throat> here's here's what what's killing me, though. And I don't have a huge problem. I have a little problem with the slow-kill approach, but not a huge problem because, you know, if that's your only option because of cost, okay, you go there. But if you can do better, the fast-kill approach, which us veterinarians are recommending – um, that that is the preferable way to go. But she goes to her vet, or I'm sorry, she leaves the shelter, and they said, listen, your vet's going to recommend the fast kill approach. Don't do it. Don't let them talk you into it. It's too dangerous. And so, lo and behold, she goes to her regular vet. He tells her, okay, well, you can do the fast kill, but I'm going to recommend, I'm sorry, you can do the slow kill, but I'm going to recommend the fast kill. Because in, within 48 hours, the worms are eradicated and it's over. The risk is not that profound. They're overblowing it. And, you know, realistically, this is the right way to do it. And he's right. And I don't understand where these rescue groups are coming from. They've, they've, they've developed this notion that the treatment with amidicide, which is what we're going to use to kill the adult heartworms and not wait them out, but kill them and it's over <laughs> – They've come to this conclusion that it's a horrifically dangerous process. Now, is it without risk? No. Do you have to take precautions? Absolutely. Is it pricey? Well, that depends on who you talk to. Alex was quoted $500 for the whole thing, and that's going to include her pre-treatment blood work, post-treatment blood work, the actual treatment, the hospitalization for the two days to monitor the patient, the heart room test six months later. I mean, that's a pretty good price course, expensive is a relative term. So, you know, we don't exactly know everybody's financial situation, but 500 may seem very steep to some people, and for others it may be reasonable. Alex actually found it reasonable. And again, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact text. Again, I'm sorry about that. But whatever the case, it's not that dangerous. I mean, you have to take precautions. You want to assess the patient, make sure that they are they don't have a really heavy worm load because you may want to do some slow kill and some anti-inflammatories before you're actually doing that fast kill. We don't want a massive kill if we've got a gigantic heartworm load. But, you know, in this dog's case, he's he's fairly young. He probably did not have a heavy load. They can't actually have an adult worm in their system until six months of age because of pre-patent period. I guess, you know, you can say incubation period, so to speak. Not the proper way to say it, but, you know, 
the, 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 the period of time from infection to adulthood of the worm is six months. So, you know, this dog at two years old has only had a worm or worms in a system for, you know, year and a half max. Do the fast kill. Get rid of it. Because two things. Because of the slow kill approach, we're starting to see resistance to ivermectin, which has been one of our perennial wonderful heartworm preventives out there. So because we're doing this slow kill and, you know, the ivermectin is having to deal with this constant rebirth every month of immature infective heartworm stages, it's it's basically life finds a way. You know, it's like the mathematician from Jurassic Park said, life finds a way. Well, it does, and that's why we see antibiotic resistance, so bacterial resistance to antibiotics if we overuse them. And if you're overusing the ivermectin or ivermectin-based products to do this low-kill approach, they're gonna, there's going to be some resistance. And in the, in the Mississippi River region, Mississippi, um, Louisiana area, we're already starting to see that. And that's a little frightening, and we believe it's a slow-kill approach that's contributing to that. So it's one reason we should try to avoid that if we can. The other reason is that even though the heartworms, yes, will die within three to five years, not two to three, as, as Alex was told, but three to five years, while you're not necessarily allowing the percolation of, of the worms, meaning new worms be made, and... and you know, you could potentially wait them out. You know, if you're a week late on that heartworm pill, big problem. If you miss a dose, another big problem. They will reach a stage of larval development where the preventive won't kill them. And so, yes, you may be three to five years, but if you're not giving that pill religiously, that's a problem because that's one way the worms will get around that. And so instead of three to five years, the dog could have it longer. And I've seen cases where they've had it indefinitely because, you know, most people are not going to be 100%. I'm not 100%. I'm a veterinarian. I've been late a week many a time. But it's not as big a problem for me because my dogs aren't heartworm positive. So they might get a mosquito bite here or there that may infect them. But, you know, for the most part, a lot of the months I'm giving them preventive, they're not infected. They're not positive with the immature. So resistance is a problem. And the fact that the other, you know, the other the other problem we face is, Owner vigilance is never 100%, and so lots of times it, the, the dog's positive for longer than three to five months, three to five years. So even in the perfect circumstances, and the dog in three to five years' time is negative for heartworms, and they're cleared. Well, those worms have been crawling around in the heart. They've been embedded in the uh, muscle of the heart chambers. They've traveled back and forth via the pulmonary artery from the heart to the lungs. They've done their damage. They've scarred the pulmonary artery, very important artery. They've scarred the heart. And so it can lead to myocardial disease and, you know, congestive heart disease down the road, not to mention chronic inflammatory airway disease, so like an asthmatic type syndrome in dogs. It's nothing to take lightly. Do the fast kill. Get rid of them. That's what I say, Alex. Listen to your veterinarian. It is not that dangerous. Again, not without risk, but with proper precautions and with a doctor who is pretty experienced with dealing with heartworms, which I'm sure in Savannah, Georgia, you know, that's pretty pretty prone heartworm area. Uh, your doctor probably has a good amount of experience. Ask questions. You know, ask them to quantify the risk. I'm going to knock on wood. I've never lost a patient to heartworm treatment. I've treated a ton of it. I've been practicing in the state of Florida for the last nine years. We are the heartworm capital of the world, even worse in Georgia. So we see a lot of cases, and, and you know, um, I've seen – you know, some pain at the injection site we got to deal with, maybe maybe a little bit of sluggishness, some respiratory issues, but most of that is dealable. You can do steroids, you can do antihistamines, you can do pain relievers. 
um, most of the time they don't have any issues. So that's my answer. Thank you for your question tonight, Alex. And again, I'm sorry I didn't get the exact verbiage out there, but I definitely got the idea out there. And folks, if you have the ability, a doctor willing and able, and you have the money to have the fast kill approach, don't do the slow kill. Your dog is better off doing the fast kill, and we're less prone for ethical considerations. We're less prone to, you know, ruin our good heartworm preventives out there that are integral in keeping our dogs healthy. Heartworm is spread by the bite of the mosquito. Mosquitoes are everywhere. So that stated, let's get into our topic tonight. <clears throat> the, um, you know, little departure from what I usually do. To, you know, the the usually I'm doing like news and views, stuff that I want you to learn about. You know, like the email post we just did. Awareness stuff, again, news, views, opinions, medical stuff, ethical stuff. But uh, my Labrador Bernie just turned seven years old, starting to get gray in the face. He's just 90 pounds of love, and and I just wanted to talk about him a little bit because he was a rescue case. And the title of tonight's broadcast is, I I may have rescued Bernie, but he rescued me right back. And it's so true. And I can't can't, um, say enough about Bernie and and what he did for me. So before I get into Bernie, I got to give you a little bit of background. When I was, I want to say 21 years old, I was in my uh, junior year of college going into my senior year. I was kind of on the five-year plan (laughs) in in my undergrad. So I'm not sure if I was 21 or 22, but whatever the case, I was late in my college studies and I just gone through a, a bad breakup. I was uh, six years into a relationship with my high school sweetheart. And, you know, saying goodbye to somebody, you know, your first love, high school sweetheart, it, it's always pretty devastating. And um, I was not in the best of emotional states, and, and uh, I just didn't know what to do with myself. And it was summer break, and I had a summer class, but I was only taking one class, and I just had a lot of time to sit around and think about it. So one day my, my college roommate is sitting around and, He's going through the classifieds of the newspaper. Remember the, remember those days back when we used to actually read newspapers? <laughs> well, anyway, he's going through the classifieds, and you know he, he knew I was you know I was already accepted to Ross University College of Veterinary Medicine in uh, the British West Indies. So I was heading there in the fall. We're talking it's like it's like uh, early winter at this point. I'm already accepted. I'm vet school bound. I just got to finish up my degree at Montclair State University. And, uh, of course, he knows very well that I'm an animal lover, a dog lover, cat lover. You know, I worked, I was working at a veterinary clinic uh, at the time as a uh, uh, on-the-job trained technician assistant. And he says to me, hey, look, yellow lab puppies for sale. He's like, actually, they have all colors, yellow, chocolate, and black labs. And uh, they still have 12 of them left. And it's only in Livingston. I was in Montclair State, so Livingston wasn't too far of a drive. And I thought, well, Livingston is the city I was born in at St. Barnabas Hospital. I really could use a distraction right now from what I'm going through. And I'm going to be leaving to go to another country, British West Indies. It's Caribbean Island, Island of St. Kitts. And, um, you know, taking on the responsibility of a dog would be a really good idea for me right now because um, I I really got to – transition from college boy to veterinary student, start to get serious, and a dog would be great for me. So I take the drive with my roommate over to Livingston, and there's lab puppies everywhere, and we just get attacked by lab puppies. They're just 
all over us, attacked in, I say, a very loving way. Um, we're just getting licked all over. They're just pouncing all over us. Just every, Each of them just completely desperate to get our attention. And, of course, there's, there's 12 of them in there. They're just beautiful. Each one of them beautiful in their own way. Their personalities are great, and they're just so cute and all that. Well, uh, at any rate, the one that really caught my attention was this beautiful one in the corner. She wasn't really bum-rushing us. She was just kind of looking at me. She had hazel green, beautiful eyes, and she was so her yellow was so light that she was almost blonde in color and a brown nose. Uh, the, the, the look of that type of Labrador is not that common. It's called the Dudley, so she was a Dudley lab. And I'm looking at her, and, and she wouldn't come and bum-rush me until I just kind of tapped my knee and I said, come here. And she just trotted over and but very calmly just kind of laid in my lap, and I pet her, and she looked up at me, and it was just love at first sight. And I just looked at my roommate, and he nodded like, yep, she's the one. And I said, this is my dog, Mike. I'm taking this one home. So I took Tiffany, got her pedigree and all that, seemed like really responsible breeders. You know, now I'm all about rescuing, but at the time I was young, I did, you know, I was a little bit impulsive, and, and I took the dog home, and, and I, I just instantly the name Tiffany came to me. And I said, this is Tiffany, and, I, you know, she's later to be known as the Tip Dog. Well, Tip Dog became my shadow. She became my companion. Um, everything I did, I took the dog with me. Every errand I ran, I would leave the doors open, you know, crack the windows open, and, and uh, she'd be in the car, and then I'd come back in, and we'd go here, we'd go there. I took her to campus with me. I took her to my parents' house. Every time I went back to my parents' house, my childhood home, when I was invited over for dinner, of course, as a college student, you go there to do your laundry. My parents fell in love with her. Everybody loved the tip dog. My roommate wasn't particularly a, a dog person. He fell in love with her. Um, just amazing dog. And, and at that age, I did not have the patience nor the wherewithal nor the knowledge, really, to train a dog properly. And luckily, it didn't matter. Tiffany trained herself. She potty trained in about two days. Um, she just kind of got it. She never needed a leash because she just stuck by my side. She automatically did that. She never begged for food. In fact, if I was eating something and she was looking at me, if I looked at her, she would instantly look away. Like, just amazing. What dog does that? She would look away. She didn't want to make eye contact with I was eat- while I was eating. It was a sign of respect. Um, amazing dog. Just, just one of the greatest, greatest dogs in my life. And, you know, the cool thing in New Jersey... Uh, you throw your money together with other friends, and in the summers you, you get a you get a, a shore house. And um, and by the way, I misspoke earlier. I wasn't in summer session. I was in winter session. I was taking a course over the winter session because <laughs> I got the dog in, in midwinter. So at any rate, um, you know, we're getting ready for summer, and so guess who became our our house mascot? Tiffany did. And one of the one of the things that you know the young idiots do is we uh, have a shore house and we got a pool baby pool that sits on the front lawn and we fill it with water and we spend the day on the on the baby pool for not going to the beach drinking beer and there I was up to my you know waist sitting in the in the baby pool drinking beer with my dog submerged in the water right next to me the dog loved water and we just sit there and she was just part of my so part of my life and every chance I could take her to the dog friendly beach in that in that area of New Jersey I took her she loved to dive in the waves she even surfed the waves I mean this dog was just every everything to me i took her to vet school um to that other to that you know the, the, the foreign country where i started my veterinary education when i transferred up to university of illinois college of veterinary medicine she came with me then when i started my career in new york she came with me then when she when i met my wife she was there dog was just everything um 
Well, fast forward now to 2006, and now I've been married three years. Um, my wife and I uh, own a practice, and I've been a practicing veterinarian for four years at this point. And Tip Dog is, uh, you know, getting up there in years, but you know, still just my, you know, my princess. And we did. My wife and I had not had kids yet. We were starting to have the discussion. You know, are we going to do this? Starting to plan. Uh, but we pretty much at that point we had our furry family. It was Tiffany, another dog Lulu, and Lulu's another story for another day. Uh, there was Bear, her Yorkie, who's since passed. Um, at the age of 16, but uh, then and then we had uh, two cats as well. So we had our quote-unquote furry family. And I'm at work one day, and in comes this five-month-old yellow lab puppy screaming in pain. And I look at I look at his right arm, and it's just it's just dangling there. Uh, you could tell there's a pretty nasty fracture. I take X-rays, sedatum takes some X-rays, and the fracture was horrific. It was across his growth plate. It went up the center of the bone of his upper arm called the humerus. It went uh, not only through the growth plate, but it knocked off uh, the lower part of the bone on either side called the condyle. So it was a three-part fracture. So it was in three pieces across the growth plate. This puppy had a lot of growing to do, needed, needed the expertise of a specialist. And these people could not, after they paid for the x-rays in the station, they could not afford, the owners at the time, they could not afford the, uh, the the splinting, you know, to stabilize the arm, uh, and of course, you know, to fix this fracture, you're talking three to five thousand dollars, sending them to to a, uh, a specialist. So we we were in a quandary because me trying to fix this fracture and, and try to work with these people, I wouldn't have done the dog justice. A dog that's gonna, you know, I I, I predicted the dog would be about ninety pounds. His name was Duke. I say was. Um, there there was just no way that uh, I, I could have really stabilized it. And, and realistically made this dog sound. So at that point, you know, rather than let the dog suffer, and of course I didn't want to put him to sleep, I just said to the owner, look, sign him over to me, sign him over to the hospital, that is. The hospital will pay for the specialist to fix his arm, and then we'll foster him out and find him a good home. And the reason I chose not to give him back to the owners is because the dog was loaded with fleas. He's loaded with worms. He, he pooped out worms while he was there. He'd never once seen a vet, and he was already five months old. I mean, not even one vaccine. This was a classic case of people getting a dog that they had no business getting. It was a classic case of impulsive buy, I want a dog, and they had really no means to take care of him properly. So I was not gonna, if I was going to go through all this, I was not going to give the dog back to people who were not going to follow through on the rehabilitation and everything they needed to do. And, and frankly, they did not belong with the dog. So they signed him over to me. And the plan was, I worked out with my wife and said, look, here's what we're going to do. The hospital will pay for his uh, surgery. The surgeon already told me that he's going to give me, you know, a, a veterinary discount, which, you know, we still paid about 3000 bucks when all said and done. But uh, he did. He, we, he was going to do the procedure. We would pick him up. We would foster him. And then we would, you know, start shopping him out and, and, and try to find him a good home. And, of course, one of our clients or even one of our own staff members would take the dog. So I dropped him off for surgery. And surgery was six hours long and to stabilize this thing he ended up needing a bone plate a screw and two pins he's got the bionic arm and they put on this splint called a spike of splint it kind of looked like spike of splint immobilizes the arm so he can't move it but kind of looks like body cast i'd refer you to the blog go, go to webdvm.net click on blog and just i posted a bunch of pictures of bernie 
five months old with his spikes blends on. It's kind of funny. Sad at the same time, but, but kind of funny as well. And um, so the next day, everything went well. I go to pick up Duke, and my wife and I, my wife is with me, and we walk into the ICU. They say, oh, go ahead and go back and get him. And he just starts barking and carrying on like a maniac, but looking at me, not looking at my wife or anybody else. And I'm like, you know, you know what's what's with him? And he said he hasn't reacted like that to anybody, Doctor Walton. We think he's you're fated to be his daddy. And you know, I looked at my wife, and she kind of knew the look on my face. And I'm right there. I decided, yeah, this is my dog. So Bernie became my dog. And long story short, the rehab process went well. But one month later. Uh, Bernie's meshed into our home and, you know, he's nothing like Tiffany. He's a complete goofball. He's not very smart. Tiffany was just brilliant. I was waiting for her to speak one day, whereas this dog, God, potty training was a struggle. He was goofy. He was just not bright. And he's still not bright, (laughs) but he was endearing because of that. You know, he's a very different dog. Well, one month later, Tiffany's slowing down. She's losing weight. I feel her lymph nodes you know, because I just give her a general exam because I'm like, she's not finishing her meals. What's going on? I feel her lymph nodes, and they're all huge. All of the palpable lymph nodes in her body are gigantic, and I realize, my Lord, my dog has lymphoma. My love, my princess, my Tiffany has lymphoma. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? So, you know, lymphoma is one of the more treatable cancers. You know, you can reach remission rates of 18-plus months with chemotherapy, and chemotherapy that we do in dogs, we don't do doses that make them so sick. We make it so they can live with cancer with, with quality, get some remission, but we're not going to destroy them with a the drug because, you know, there's no point in doing that to a dog. And um, so I su- successfully got her into four weeks into treatment. She was in 100% remission. It was brilliant. I was so happy. She's back to herself. But then on week five, she developed ulcerative colitis, and she became so sick and so painful, and there's nothing in my arsenal I could do anymore to help her. And one evening at 11 p.m., she was so painful, and she looked at me with such pleading eyes, and I just said, I can't do this anymore. I took her down to the clinic, and my family all met me there because they were all in love with her, too. And we said goodbye to Tiff Dog. Well, you know, I was devastated, to say the least. I can't even tell you the degree of, 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 of devastation. But, you know, I I was hurting so badly, and I just looked at Bernie, and I was sad for Bernie because I thought, you know, how sad for you because you're a yellow lab. I'm always going to compare you to Tiffany and you are never going to be able to fill the void that Tiffany left in my heart as much as I do care about you and care for you thinking to myself. And as I'm looking at him, he just kind of army crawled over to me, puts his head on my lap and looks up at me. And it was one of the most beautiful, compassionate, sympathetic looks I'd, I'd ever seen from an animal since, well, Tiffany from the many of the many moments that she comforted me when I was sad. So Bernie looks up at me at that point and I just had this realization, this sort of piece about me where I thought, you know what? You are my dog now and you don't need to fill Tiffany's place that she left in my heart because she's still there and she'll always be there. She's there till this day. This is seven years later now. Bernie, you're going to fill a new place in my heart and you're going to be my dog. And from then on, Bernie and I we're a team just like, you know, Tiffany was with me. And he was on errands with me. He would walk with me. I, you know, as I continue to rehab his leg, he swam with me. He is such a loving mushball, and he's nothing like Tiffany. Still dumber than a box of rocks. Still goofy. Um, 
not intelligent at all, uh, but I, I don't love him any less. He's just, thank God I had that dog at that moment because it would have been much harder. And so I owe him so much. And now that I have two little children, a four-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl, Bernie's part of that life and part of that joy. He's so gentle and tolerant with the children. He's part of the joy. Just earlier today, he, he, uh, myself and my son, were all swimming together. My son was throwing his little, his little water toy that he has that he throws for Bernie, and he swims. And I just thought, at that point, how appropriate that we're doing this today. I'm going to have this broadcast tonight, and um, I just want to let everybody know this story because. Don't 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 miss the opportunity to rescue a dog or a, a cat, an animal in need. Don't don't miss that opportunity because in the end the person you might be rescuing or the being you might be rescuing is yourself. Had I not had Bernie, had I not rescued him, losing Tiffany would have been so very hard. And in the end, Bernie's a different part of my life. Tiffany was the bachelor version of me. She was the budding she was the college student, the bachelor, the you know, um, the veterinary uh, student moving on to new career, meeting my wife, settling down. Bernie's with me now settled. I have roots. I've been in the same home now for six years. Back then, I hadn't been in a home more than one year at any place for Lord knows how long. Got two kids now, and, and Bernie's now the, living the journey with me, the, settle, the settled version of Roger Welton. And um, I don't love him any any less. It's just different. And so always remember that. Don't harden your heart to getting another pet either when you lose one that is so beloved to you and so dear to you because you're not going to replace that pet, but there'll be another great one. Trust me, if you love animals, there will be another great one, and you will find the joy in that new pet. Thank you for very much for letting me share this story with you. This one came from the heart, and I appreciate your time. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Good night. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 